Hi, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and after teaching kids yoga for over a decade and being immersed in the industry, I created this podcast as a warm and supportive place for parents, teachers, caregivers, and kids yoga professionals to gather. Episodes include conversations with kids yoga teachers, business owners, and authors, child development experts, informational episodes on specific kids yoga topics, yoga adventures for children, and even the voices of children themselves. It is my hope that you can come here each week and gain inspiration and form connection with your fellow kids yoga community. Welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Kids Yoga Podcast. My name is Jessica Mujis, and this week I am excited to be joined by Mr. Chaz. Mr. Chaz's mission in life is to enjoy the process of becoming the best version of himself and help others do the same. He goes by Mr. Chaz, and he even has a song to prove it. He is an educational specialist who teaches teachers to teach in a chain of child development centers. He closely works with nine different schools, hundreds of teachers, and thousands of children. He has trained thousands of teachers in person and virtually. He earned his master's in executive leadership at American University. He envisions a world where most people wake up every day enjoying the process of becoming the best versions of themselves. He has over 125,000 followers on TikTok at Mr. Chaz, Mr. Chaz, and he is in the process of writing a book. He also has his own podcast, which you should check out, called Mr. Chaz's Leadership, Parenting, and Teaching Podcast. You can also find him on Instagram as Mr. Chaz. He coaches about 300 people in his community. You can go to his Patreon page to find out more about him. Okay, Mr. Chaz, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk, answer questions, have conversation. Let's do it. Yes. So I want to start at the beginning of your work with children. So when did you start working with children and why did you decide to work with children? So I actually started working with children, which might surprise a lot of people, um, really just because I needed a job and there was a childcare facility that was hiring. Um, and you know, they hired me. I was brand new. I did my three days of training. They threw me in a classroom with you know, nearly 30 kids in there, 33 to five-year-olds. And it was, it was, it was really fun, but there were definitely a lot of very overwhelming parts of that. And so that's kind of how I got started. And um, there's so much about the beginning of my experience that still guides what I do today. It's why I'm so passionate about helping others and educating, you know, helping parents, teachers, nannies, because I really do know, you know, what it feels like to be just kind of at the beginning of just really not knowing what to do and feel like you're ruining children. And, um, you know, that was really tough for me, and before we even started talking on, before we started recording, we were talking about a video that I just posted. Um, and I didn't mention this to you, but 
one of the things like most vivid memories that I have in the very beginning. Like I don't mean to get like heavy at the very beginning of the interview, but um, is like one of my most vivid memories is me going on break um, from the classroom and just feeling so much stress in my body of really breaking down and um, crying and, and, and having a really tough time because I knew the gravity of what I was doing of growing the next generation of humans, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know if I was doing, you know, the right things or the wrong things, or I was doing more harm than good. I would enter conflict and it seemed to get worse. Um, and that was really tough for me because I really cared about what I was doing. So, um, it did it did so it's it's yeah i am surprised you like kind of you fell into this by you're like oh i need this job and then um i think most people put in a situation with 33 to 5 year olds in a room would run (laughs) so the fact that you stuck with it and also cared enough that says a lot that you cared enough that you had that breakdown moment i know as a even before i was a parent as a, a teacher i had plenty of those um, when you really care about children, it could be very overwhelming. And I, I do want to ask you, the video you posted today was there was a mom just kind of speaking very candidly about like how hard parenting is and really breaking down. And you did a side by side and you kind of sat there and, and you were listening and you you put some captions that were saying like, good, this is this is good. This shows that you are doing the work. Um, how like how did you get that idea and 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 you just express yourself so well on social media. So I guess my question is like, when did you start on social media and realize that, Oh, I can get this message through, through that medium. Um, So, you know, it it really, it's kind of been a a long journey for me to get here. And, you know, it started off as the, you know, part of the story that I told you of, me kind of just jumping in and really loving the work, but not knowing what to do and feeling really overwhelmed and stressed out by it. Um, and, but then over time, just through, you know, me learning and growing and, you know, by getting trainings, having mentors and, you know, talking to people, constantly reflecting, reading, you know, audio books, you know, regular books and just so much and, and time and, uh, you know, some, you know, some tears. I had grown, I grew so much in probably a shorter period of time than um, what a lot of you know, other teachers in the field were doing. And they started to ask me questions. And I remember just being in the break room very casually. Um, at this point in my career, you know, no longer super stressed out every single time, you know, I'm coming out of the classroom, but very casually teachers asking me, um, start off with one teacher. It's like, hey, like I see that you're you do really well and you have some pretty challenging kids, but you figure it out. Like, I need help with like this situation. Do you have any advice? And I just kind of casually offered some advice. Oh, well, this is what I would do, and this is the way that I was. I'm thinking about it. And she's like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. She took the advice. She, you know, applied it in her classroom, and then came back and was like, wow, like that made the whole day so much better. And it made like his day better. It made my day better. Like now I need more. Okay. Now for this kid, like I need help have more too. And like more and more people kind of started to come to me. And I, and that was one of the moments where I really realized that it's, you know, I love 
making the impact in my little community of humans. And by this time I had my own classroom of about 20 children. And I loved making that impact with my little community of human building my own little culture um, to help them grow and to be, you know, their best and to just, you know, interact with each other. And, um, but I really was inspired by the idea of impacting other communities of humans and okay, so I'm impacting these 20 humans, but if I move into position of which I'm in right now, currently of educational specialist, I can impact you know, several teachers and have my, my impact can be exponential. Um, and now I'm working with nine different schools and I work with, uh, you know, teachers or parents and, um, and I am having that kind of impact, but the pandemic happened and most of the teachers went home. Most of the kids went home and the parents were now the teachers 24 seven. Um, and I really started to see through social media just how much of, you know, you know, it, it almost made me kind of reflect back on when the beginning of my career that I mentioned when I was, you know, in the car and I was crying and I wanted to kind of like reach, reach, reach out and help. So that's when I started to create you know, really like made the TikTok and started to create TikToks um, because that's where a lot of people were going during the pandemic. And it seemed like a really fun way to um, help parents, to help teachers. And really it was more about parents um, rather than teachers because, you know, the they're the ones who were in need at the time. Um, and I could really see myself in them and my struggles that I had that I still so vividly remember and what was going on. Um, and so I started to create the TikToks and, and now I, like I post them on Instagram and LinkedIn and, and Facebook. Um, but it's still, most of my content you'll notice is mostly just, it, it's all, it's 99% video. Um, and so that's why I started to do this parent education and it blew up on TikTok. Um, and it really resonated a lot. Like my messages really resonated with a lot of people and still are resonating with a lot of people. And that impact that I you know, wanted to make that was an exponential in the classrooms is now happening globally. Um, I'm getting messages all the time. They're just like, wow, you've really impacted me. You, you've, you've changed the relationship that I have with my child. You changed the way that I even see parenting. You changed, you know, you changed the way that I see teaching. Um, and so as much as I, you know, a lot of my focus, especially during the pandemic has been parents, um, I'm still here to impact anyone who works with children, who's around children, who is with children. Yes. Well, I want to, a compliment I wanted to give you is that, so as a parent, I do follow a lot of that content about, you know, educating parents and the way you deliver the message, I, it's very, it's in a way where I hear the message and there's no like defensiveness because sometimes the way messages are delivered towards parents can be a bit critical or feel critical because as a parent, it's like, there's nothing I care about more than, than how I'm raising my children. And I, and I think every parent would say you're doing your absolute best. So if it comes off as like, ooh, you're doing this wrong, you should be doing this, it could feel like 
a gut punch and you're like, oh, I'm, am I doing that wrong? And then you just feel worse, even though the intention might be like, I want to help you. But whenever every video I've seen of yours, I go, yes, yes, yeah. You know, I, I'm like, oh, I feel seen and that's great. And that's a good point. Um, so I just wanted to tell you that, that like you have the message and you deliver it so well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not helpful when, you know, like you mentioned, you know, when someone does start to feel defensive, then that's not in a place, they're not in a mindset to, you know, learn, grow, change habits, and that's not helping anyone, right? Um, and so I, I I definitely do. And a lot of a lot of what I do when I deliver when I when I'm making videos or just delivering any kind of messages, I try to relate it to our the, the child the child's experience to our adult experience so that we can empathize with the child more because you know we do forget you know what it's really like to be a child and you know the legitimate struggles that children have too and they are so synonymous with a lot of our struggles and no so is the ball going over the fence an equally big of deal as you know you potentially losing your job no but does it feel equally big in may um and just really seeing it from that perspective instead of you know instead of just instead of dismissing the child or what the child's feeling or experiencing and um when you know i try to empathize a lot with the parents but also help parents empathize a lot with children um and then that's when everyone's in a space to learn grow improve change your habits and i talk about all the time i my number one if i i don't know if like this like if i become like famous famous like people say oh you're tiktok famous but if i become like famous famous like i like the phrase that that i want to be known for uh that i'm coining that i really think is so helpful for people to adopt and just embody is the improvenist mindset. And I say, don't be a perfectionist. You know, perfectionism is like an illness. It's, it's, it's not helpful. It's not realistic. You know, the goal is not to be perfect every day. The goal is to improve a little every day, be an improvenist, an improvenist, not a perfectionist. I love that. I've seen that on your page. I love that so much. Um, I want to ask you, wh- why do you think you're so naturally attuned to children? Because I've been in this field a long time. I've taught in a lot of classrooms. I've seen teachers who I can tell aren't necessarily attuned to the children. Um, and I think it's kind of, I don't know if you're born with it or not, but when I hear you talk and you just, it seems like you just naturally, you get it. Like it, why do you think that is? Well, I I will say part of it is I think I am still part kid. Like I still have like there's still some childlike presence within me. Um, and so I think that really helps. And to even dial it back a little bit more, um, my purpose in life and I've identified as my purpose in life and I've really kind of went on this journey to kind of figure it out. It, it really took me years to really figure out like like what is my life going to be about and um, I decided my life was going to be about enjoying the process of becoming the best version of myself and to help others do the same 
Um, and just in the process of just enjoying, you know, life and enjoying the little moments, even taking joy in the things that aren't so pleasant and even like sadness, um, you know, just in doing that is, is a way to connect with children because children have a way of really just enjoying the little things and appreciating the little things and being present and being present in what's happening right then and there. Adults, us adults have, we are so stuck on the future, so stuck on the past that we, that we forget and we don't appreciate what's right here in this moment. Uh, and children are naturally, just naturally like good at like, that's what they do. That is that, that is like who they are. That's why when they're on their way to the car and they get so distracted by like the bug that just, you know, flew and landed on their hand or like right in front of them, um, that bug, they're in that moment. They are present in that moment. And that's one of the things that really, like I really love about working with children and just being around children um, is that they remind me and, you know, can remind us to be just present in the moment um, instead of just, just so focused. Now, don't get me wrong. As adults, like we do have to like, we do have to worry about the future and plan things out and, 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 and schedule and, and worry about time. And, you know, there, there's reason why we're so stuck on the past, you know, as a defense mechanism so that we can survive. I get it. It's all useful, but in the process, I think it's, it's out of balance more times than not for, for most adults um, that we are we are way more in the past and way more in the future um, than we are in the present. And I think there needs to be a balance of being in all three places when appropriate. Yes. That's when you're saying that it, you know, we've been in this pandemic. I have a one-year-old and a a four-year-old. She's almost five. She'll be five next week. And it's like, I, the challenge of that, of having them both home constantly. And I, I decided not to send my daughter back to school and, um, has been immense, but at the same time, it's like they're constantly bringing me into the present moment. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this is hard, but I also think they're helping me a lot because my son is extremely excited about like this piece of paper he found on the floor and he's been carrying it around all day and he's so happy and he's like squealing with delight. And so they're constantly, like you described, they're constantly bring, bringing me back. Um, does that get frustrating sometimes on the walk to the car when you're like, sure. we got to get in the car <laughs> and there's the bug. It does. But um, like you're saying, I think just to, to keep that in mind, you know, and to remember that they're teaching us, like you're speaking my language when you say that. Um, I, I want to ask you, so just as a parent, um, has there been a question that you've gotten over and over again or um, a theme you've been noticing when parents reach out to you? Is there a commonality in what they're asking you? And like, what, what has that been since the pandemic began, I guess? Yeah. So I do a lot of, uh, a lot of parent coaching, um, a lot, a lot of parent coaching. <laughs> and I, you know, I've, I've been, I've been thinking about this and I'm like, man, I should just come out with a workshop and just put it out there. Um, 
I just, you know, I just haven't yet. And I really do like working one-on-one with people. Um, but the thing that keeps popping up a lot um, is transitions. Transitions, I'd say, come up maybe in 80% of the consultations that I do. Even if when I'm like, okay, so what, you know, what's the challenge? You know, what, you know, what's going on? Um, and they don't identify it as transitions after we talk about it. And, you know, we, we start trying to identify patterns. We, it is probably 80% of the time. One of the things is they struggle, they struggle with transitions. Um, and I think it's been super hard during this like pandemic because, you know, like there's, it's been so much inconsistency and, 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 you know, a lot of us adults aren't on our normal routine and we don't know what's coming next. And, you know, so we're struggling to find that consistency for our children because, well, and, and communicate that because we don't have it for ourselves. Um, or maybe we're just, you know, establishing our consistency, but, you know, in in that process, we haven't, you know, they've gone to school uh, for the pandemic and then maybe something happened. So they had to, to be home. And then maybe someone, maybe they had somebody who entered their home, like maybe it was a nanny or a grandma. And, you know, maybe the work schedule with um, mom or dad is different. Or, or now they're working from home and only they're only working from home for some days. And, you know, like, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen next, depending on. And, and that's really unsettling for humans in general. Like the core of transitions is it's change. It's change. People don't like change. Um, I dabble a lot in, cause a part of my job as, you know, educational specialist, yeah, I focus like a lot on the classroom too, but I also work a lot with the directors and just in a leadership role and I dabble very heavily in just in leadership in general. So I see a lot of the, um, commonalities between, um, you know, us adults in the workplace and, um, children in a school or in a household, people in different cultures. Um, and one of the things that we know is that people don't like change, but people are able to deal with change better when they have a vision that they're moving towards. When we're able to, you know, let them, when they know what's coming next, when they know what they're moving towards, um, when, you know, there is some, you know, consistency. And, you know, that's really hard. It's definitely a lot easier said than done, but it is something to, at the very least, be mindful of as things are consistently changing um, in our lives. Yeah. Well, do you have any advice on how to make transitions easier? I mean, for me, I guess it's I if I know a change is coming, we start talking about it and my daughter's almost five, so we, she can like draw a picture or make a chart or something. But um, I think, is it like depending on personalities, I think for some kids that might create more anxiety to have too much buildup. So I don't know, I guess, it, is it just very personal to your own household and your child? Yeah, no, it very much, it, it 
really everything is personal to you know your household the your i your household culture that you're creating um the temperament of your children or your child um the situation and so that's why i like to do the one-on-ones more than just create a blanket workshop because then we're able to, you know, I'm able to almost observe with you and try to kind of take in your observations and then use them to individualize the approach. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, even with children um, with anxiety, and again, it, it depends on what the thing is, if it's something that's completely new, if it's like, a new thing that they're expected to do? Is this something they've done before? Um, but generally speaking, I very much suggest advertising transitions and not just saying, hey, this thing is coming up next. Um, yes, and I suggest doing that, but you know, yes, this thing's coming up next. I suggest uh, visual timers too, so they can see how much time they actually have because time is super abstract and, you know, it helps with, they can physically see it going away um, rather than just the, all right, in five minutes. And us adults are terrible about five minutes. You know, <laughs> five minutes can be, can be five minutes, but it could also be 10 minutes. It could yeah. also be two hours. It could also never come, you know? So yeah. we definitely don't help a lot of times um, with that. But again, focused on, you know, the focus on other things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on on top of advertising, I talk about bringing in the five senses in terms mm-hmm. of like, so they can really visualize and almost feel and see themselves doing that next thing, right? So like maybe it's food, you know, and just you know talking about the smell of the pizza as it's wafting into the room, you know, talking about you know the feel of the dirt or like, you know, what, you know, talking to them about like what they're going to play at the park so that they in their mind can start visualizing and planning and, and, and almost feel like, you know, kind of pump themselves up. Like, Ooh, like I really want to do that thing. So by the time you say, you know, it's time to clean up or reset the room, whatever words you use, by the time it's time to transition, then they're already excited about that next thing. And so there's a lot less friction there. Um, and they have something that they're moving towards as opposed to something that they're moving away from, um, which is a lot of times is how children are like, ah, oh, I got to put away these Legos is a lot more, you know, frustrating. Um, it can create a lot, you know, yeah, a lot more frustration than, Ooh, like I get to go to the park. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Oh my, the five senses, the things you say, it's so aligned with mindfulness and yoga. Like I can't even believe it. Everything you're saying is like, I'm so excited for people to hear this um, because it's completely aligned that being present using the five senses and um, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's like very inspiring and exciting to hear it in kind of a new framework. Um, I want to ask you, um, I guess since you started doing this work, do you have a a favorite story or experience you've had of whether it be working with a parent or working with a child where you felt like, oh wow, this these things that I'm trying to teach, like it it worked, you know, there was like some type of aha moment. Mm. 
You know, it's at this point, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I'm just going to say it. But um, at this point, it's hard to say. Like, they're, like I get so many messages and comments and, you know, like I will get letters and conversations. Um, it's really hard to say to pinpoint an exact thing. I will say... I will say that there are in the classroom, the children that I'm most thankful for are the children who challenge me the most, the children who force me to grow and force me to learn new strategies and to understand them in a different way that I was currently understanding children. Um, and, you know, I, I, there are stories around that. I'll share. So I'll share a story. This is one, um, a story that sticks out and and not necessarily, this is a story of kind of part of my growth path. That is a kind of a favorite of mine that really sticks in for me. So I guess you asked me, it's like, Oh, have you tell me about like your favorite story where you've helped someone. And now I'm going to tell you a story about where, you know, someone's helped me or really, you know, children have helped me. Mm -hmm. So I remember it so vividly in a classroom. And at this point I was a lead teacher really in the beginning parts of me being a lead teacher. Um, and I had an assistant about 20 kids in the room. And, you know, I just remember it was just one of those days where, you know, the emotional climate wasn't super positive. And, you know, I just remember going from place to place to place, like a little different centers, putting out fires, trying to like, okay, stop fighting here. I was bringing up the fight. Okay. No, no, you go play with this toy. Okay. And like me just getting really overwhelmed with that. And I remember yelling and getting like really frustrated and yelling and like, blah, 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 blah. and like the class like stopped and like froze. I listened to me, but it didn't help the situation at all. If, if anything, you know, some of the children that were having a hard time, they got even more riled up. They were even more aggressive. Yeah. in the moment they stopped because they're like, Whoa, like what's he, like, he's, he doesn't normally get to this level um, like, whoa, they would, there was some shock there, but the, in terms of the behavior and the emotional climate in the room, it, it, it went even further south. Um, and I remember going home and, and just thinking when really on the drive home, just reflecting and just being like, man, like that is not the teacher that I want to be like tomorrow. Like I have to do like we, I have to be different. I have to do things differently. I have to do things differently. And part of the reason too, side note, part of the reason why I think that I'm, I'm actually good at helping other people is because I've, through this whole process, I've, I've been coaching myself and I still coach myself. Um, like I lead myself, I coach myself. I am constantly teaching and reflecting myself. And, and I think that's what has made me skilled at helping other people. Anyways, after that reflection, I'm like, man, I got to text my my co-teacher because also when I blew up and I got like, up, like he started yelling, I noticed that my co-teacher started doing more of that too. Um, and so it was the, that whole quote about like, you know, your, 
you know, you control the weather and the mood or the room, you know, like that was medium by creating the storm or like creating more of a storm. And so I texted my co-teacher that night. I was like, look, like, I, like, I, like, I don't want to be that teacher. I got to do differently. Like, like when we get like frustrated and overwhelmed, we just got to tag each other in. If I get upset, I'm going to tag you in. If you get upset, I'm going to tag you in. And then and I'm going to practice like breathing. Like we, I can't with the game plan. Like we're going to go in the next day with the game plan. Um, and we did. Um, and we came in the next day and they're kind of some of the same little rumblings of the emotional climate that was happening. Maybe left over from the day before. Um, but we really stayed calm and approached things, you know, differently. We kept our cool. Um, we were able to think of more creative solutions. You know, there were, you know, moments where, you know, I had to go to corner and count down from 10 and breathe. But those were the moments where I had the best ideas of how to help, you know, a specific child or children in the classroom or the class as a whole. And that was, that's probably one of my, my biggest memories of just like, man, like I, I like I like I need to like I need to change. I need to grow. I need to improve. And in that improvement, mindset. And we did. And they and they really throughout the day. There was a complete shift. There's a complete difference in the amount of accident reports that I was writing. Uh, you know, as much as I felt the need to yell, uh, as much you know them getting along and them working out their problems, and you know there there was a huge difference. So. That's the story. That yep. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that because everyone listening who's a teacher or a parent has had that moment or multiple moments like that where you can't hold it together anymore. You yell or whatever. You don't react how you wanted. That's being human. That's yeah. that's normal. And thank you for sharing that because I don't think we necessarily talk about those moments as much. Yeah. But what, what you did there was say, reflect. I think that's, I think that's your, your super, your superpower. It's like, you're able to self-reflect. Like you said, you coach yourself. So that ability to then say, okay, that happened. I don't like it. That didn't feel good. And to take responsibility and say, as hard as it is, okay, it's up to me to create the environment. Um, To have that co-teacher too. I think that's a big thing for people to keep in mind to have, if you're working with someone else to discuss how you're going to approach situations like that. Um, Yeah. So thank you. That story I think is so powerful. Um, I know I've had moments like that as a parent um, and then being able as a parent to then apologize to after and to kind of take ownership of that. I have found that's important. And um, yeah. One thing I want to say too, on, on that note, you talk about apologies you know, anyone out there who is in the place of like, ah, like I'm still yelling. I'm still like losing my cool. I'm still like, I'm not there at like where I want to be at. Like there is power in that too. Like you have the opportunity to not only just teach your child, you know, about the growth journey and help them through it, but also the opportunity to model it because guess what? Your, your children, 100% will lose their cool, <laughs> right? And for yes. them to be able to have someone who they've seen that they look up to modeling, like, 
let, you know, sometimes we, we lose our cool, but then you can still repair. Like, what do you do when you lose your cool? You know, you, you repair it, you know, you try to improve and do better. You apologize. That has just as much power as, you know, the modeling and staying cool, you know, without the yelling. So regardless of where you're at, like you have power to, you have power to grow your child, to grow your children, your class, um, into humans who are able to, you know, to be accountable and to take responsibility for, you know, for the things that they do when they're not in their best state and to know how to learn how to repair it and, you know, and then also help others too. So. Yes. Yes. If you're, if you're perfectly calm all the time and never lose your cool, I don't think that's human, but also I think that's a really, um, that's not something that a child would feel pressure. Like, oh, I, I, I got angry. I yelled, but they never yell. Like, you know, so I think like you're saying, it's actually important that we kind of honor ourselves as humans. And like, you know, we, we feel all the things. Um, I want to ask you before my, before my final question, um, how have you been taking care of yourself during this time? Because you're helping all these parents and teachers, but um, what have you been doing for yourself, especially since the pandemic began? Yeah. Um, balance, 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 balance. I haven't made a video on it yet, but I've been thinking about it. It's been one that's kind of been in the back of my mind. Um, and when I say balance, you know, balance is, so for me, it is, it's constant work. It's not like, oof, I've got balance, right? Someone who, the way I think about it is someone who has complete balance all the time is probably someone who's not doing a lot of movement, right? You think right. about, like, you know, a scale, you know, or it's, it's more like a teeter-totter, right? And a lot of, I don't know who has that little red scale in their classroom, but anyone who has a scale in their classroom, just imagine you know, you, you put those little counting bears on one side and then you put it on, you know, when, when you're teaching your your kids how like, oh, this is what balance is and this is, you know, equal weight and all that stuff. You know, you don't just put the, you know, all the teddy bears, even if you put five teddy bears on one side and five teddy bears on the other side, what does it do? It still wobbles a little bit, right? And I think there's a level of healthy wobbling that comes with the balance, but always trying to still try to stay within that equilibrium, um, you know, and sometimes you might hit rock bottom, but that's how, you know, when one side hits rock bottom, that's how, you know, you need to put a little bit more on the other side. Right. And so it, for me, it's been, especially between, cause I'm still working in schools and, you know, there, there's a lot of different needs and my, my job is, you know, there's there's always going to be out of night school. There's always going to be someone who needs help or wants help or would like for me to be there. Um, but there's also now with this, you know, I have a whole like community where I do one-on-one coaching. I create content, um, like exclusive content. I have my own podcast. I, I'm, I'm creating, you know, TikTok videos and Instagram. And I'm, you know, creating posts for that. I got Facebook. I'm doing LinkedIn. I'm starting my YouTube channel. I'm about, about to do a workshop with Janet Lansbury. Um, you know, oh 
That's so exciting. No no one really knows about that yet, but um, it's all these things that I'm, you know, you know, trying to balance. Um, And, you know, that's just, and that's, and I only really mentioned my work life, right. And not, not even anything with my personal life. Um, And so there's been a lot of times where I've, I've had to just, Oh, like I hit rock bottom. I'm feeling this way. Like, like I need to put some more counting bears on the other side. Um, And no one who's, this is all just audio snow can see my hand motions, (laughs) but that is my probably number one thing that I would say. Um, and I think that it is, it'll apply whoever you're listening, whoever's listening to this, whatever you're doing, it probably applies to you in some way, form or fashion. Um, balance. I love that image. And we have the counting bears at my house. So I'm like totally seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also like that permission, like, it's okay if you just crash. Like, I think then we beat ourselves up. Oh, I'm burnt out. What's wrong with me? But that's part of, I love what you said. Like if you're completely balanced, you're probably just standing still. So yes. Um, say one more thing too, before before you, so about like the crash too. And also too, other thing I didn't mention, I'm in the process of writing a book as well, but, um, this made me think, cause I'm, I'm like writing about this is that that crash to like when you crash and you're feeling those big emotions, that's a signal from your body telling you, you know, to change. It's, it's a distress signal. It's a cry for help. It is important. You need that because without that, you probably just keep going and other, other things would happen without you getting that signal. The same thing is important for children's emotions, for a child's emotions. Um, that as sometimes as inconvenient as their emotions can be for what we're trying to do in, in, in time and all that other, uh, all these adult things that we worry about and need to worry about, those distress signals, those, you know, when they get upset or even when they're saying no's, those are in signals coming internally communicating through their behavior and instead of trying to shame them into compliance to change their behavior so they can be more of a convenience to us we have to put a lot of effort into putting our investigator hat on our curiosity glasses on and try to figure out what that behavior is communicating, what that internal distress signal is so that we can communicate back to it and help the child through whatever that thing is, whatever that underlying need is, that untaught skill is. And and, and then in the long run, that's still going to help us with the things that we like in, in terms of time, because that, that distress signal, that internal thing likely isn't going away. It's probably just, if we just ignore it and dismiss it and shame it into compliance, it's probably going to compound into other things um, that is that we're going to have to deal with. There'll be, you know, doing therapy or, you know, wonder why now our child doesn't is now a, teen or going off to college and 
doesn't have, you know, confidence or doesn't really know who they are, or don't really know how to meet their own needs. And, you know, so I just wanted to say and just articulate that because just that thought, honestly, is really powerful to me to think about and a complete way to kind of reframe what we're seeing and we're experiencing when we're with children. Yes. Yes. I wanted to like clap, but I didn't want to ruin our audio, but um, (laughs) this is exactly behavior is a communication. Um, You also, I see you talk about reparenting yourself, reparenting ourselves. And I think so many of us were raised with that compliance with the shame with, um, not so much my generation, my parents' generation, it was like children should be seen and not heard, this whole thing. So I think you've kind of, everyone follow, please follow his, um, I'm, so I'm not on TikTok, but um, I do follow you on Instagram, but follow yeah, Mr. Jazz. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm I just think to see you on TikTok yeah. doing some yoga poses. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. I recently started doing, um, started creating more content that is kind of like child facing and doing like a lot of the, seeing some of the songs that I do. Yes, I saw that. We love um, and some of the games to help with a lot of the challenges that, you know, parents come and ask me about. And um, and so I think it's, it's really been really popular and it's been really blowing up. So I think I say that to say not to plug my own stuff, but plug, plug, but also to say that there's space for you there. And I, I don't think there's a lot of people doing it. So. Okay. All right. I'm going to think about it. I've been resistant, but I, I'm going to think about it. You got me thinking. Um, so everyone's going to want to find you that's listening. So we've kind of mentioned where you are, but can we just um, end with if people want to get in touch, if they want to follow your work, where should they go? Yes. So it's pretty much Mr. Chaz everywhere. M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z. Um, Instagram is Mr. Chaz. TikTok is Mr. Chaz, Mr. Chaz. M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z, M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z. Um, Facebook is Mr. Chaz. I have a community where you can get access to one-on-one coaching with me. Um, right now, it's only $20 a month. My whole thing was trying to make it affordable, especially during the pandemic. Um, but you also get access to exclusive content. You get access to, I do, um, like I do interviews with other professionals and, you know, experts kind of in the field and ask questions and conversations and you're able to do Q and a there too. So you're able to join and be a part of the conversation. Um, And you can get access to that and sign up to that through uh, www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chaz. I'm on a little bit on LinkedIn. Um, Trying to make it on Pinterest. I'm starting my YouTube channel. It's likely going to be Mr. Chaz um, if you look for it. Um, and again, the YouTube channel is going to be mostly, uh, at least as I'm planning right now, I'm thinking about right now, child content, content for children, but also for parents, for you to do activities and sing songs with your child if you want to learn um, them. Amazing. Well, you're everywhere. I'm in, I'm impressed with you. You're, you're all over the place. Um, you're getting it done. I appreciate your work. Um I'm thrilled to talk to you. I'd actually love to talk again at some point down the line. Um, Thank you.
just thank you for your work and thank you for sharing your knowledge here. And I think people are just going to be just so inspired by hearing you. Mm. I hope so. And I have one last plug <laughs> to do since we're, you know, depending on what you listen to, what you, you know, some people, you know, consume content in different ways. And I'm all about teaching the way that you learn as opposed to me expecting you to adapt the way that mm-hmm. you learn to the, you know, way that I teach. So I also have a podcast called Mr. Chaz's Leadership Parenting and Teaching Podcast. Um, and that you have a lot more of the long form, like in- interviews kind of like this, 40 minutes to maybe an hour long interviews with a lot of amazing people. So you can check me out there too. That's the last plug. Promise. Awesome. <laughs> That's actually a good plug because if someone's listening to the podcast, they probably like podcasts. So guys, give that subscribe, listen. I've, I listened to your one with Janet Lansbury. I saw you had Dr. Becky on there. I'm going to listen to that one. She's amazing. I mean, I love her content on Instagram. So yeah, I'm going to listen to that one next. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I hope this isn't the end of our uh, relationship. I hope we can keep keep in touch and uh, I'll be following you. Yeah, I I hope so. I will. I'll, I'll be on. I'll be on all the platforms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll see you there. All right. All right. Take care. You too. Bye, Jessica. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the episode and you haven't already, I would really appreciate if you can leave a rating and review and also subscribe to the podcast. This helps people find the podcast and direct more people towards it so we can spread kids yoga to more children. You can also follow us at the Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can always send me an email at thekidsyogapodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback, your questions, and any ideas you have for future episodes. So thank you so much for being here and for listening, and I hope to see you next week.